Hey, it's good to be back with you today. We're thankful that you're with us. Uh, today we light the joy candle. Uh, the topic obviously is joy. And there's a scripture verse that is a favorite of mine when we get to the joy Sunday of Advent. Uh, and that is Luke chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. Let me read it to you. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. I was uh, telling somebody just a bit earlier that uh, we had somebody scheduled to preach today. In fact, we had other preachers scheduled to preach uh, every day of Advent, uh, and I was just going to lead in other areas. So uh, one of the guys that we had scheduled to preach, Robert Meacham, uh, was uh, rushed to the hospital. He's home now and recovering but then not able to preach. And I told my wife, Julie, this morning, I said, uh, it's uh, kind of strange that I'm filling in in the church that I pastor. So uh, I'm actually filling in today for Robert. Uh, he's scheduled to preach again on December the 27th. And uh, I already know his topic. You're going to be encouraged by that. So today we're dealing with joy. I, I want to say to this, because winter is fastly approaching. And while I say that, <laughs> This is December the 10th. It's 60 degrees outside. I'm in short sleeves and I have on no socks. But winter is approaching. Our, our weather report uh, this coming weekend is a major transition. Uh, when it comes to Kentucky weather, you know that it changes uh, rapidly here. Uh, I, I don't mind the cold when it comes to winter because I'm an avid waterfowl hunter, a duck hunter. So I'm I'm in cold water, cold weather all the time. But I tell you what does get me about winter is those dark, gloomy, gray, cloudy days. Those days get me. Uh, they, they affect me. And, and I, know there's, I know there's diagnosis for that. I understand that. Of where we need sunlight, and some people need sunlight more than others. But I, I, one thing I dread about wintertime those gloomy dark times, is that uh, the weather can end up matching my mood. Uh, that's what happens, like, like February. Uh, February is a short month relatively in the number of days, but it seems to me like it's two months long. And instead of 20 some odd days, it seems like to me it's 60 days. Uh, because you're coming out of winter, you got the promise of spring pretty close by, even though we have a lot of winter in March. Uh, but it just seems like the whole month of February is nothing but uh, gray and gloomy and cloudy times. Um, those sunless days in the winter become mood changing to us. So uh, when I see those uh, gray, cloudy, gloomy winter days, they're cold, they're, they're just seem to be lifeless. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of yippee in there. You know, there's not a lot of, man, this is a great day. So what's the problem with this? Well, the, it does seem normal for us that cloudy, gray, gloomy days affect my mood. But here's, here's the problem. I'm, I'm letting environment determine my response. And if we're not careful, we'll let things that are happening, our circumstances, determine how we respond to them. 
Uh, and today I want to address that with the topic of joy. And I, I want to give you a biblical view of joy. I want to give you the Christian view of joy, a discipled view of joy. And what we would say here at Hope Church, it would be a kingdom view of joy. Joy in scripture is not uh, equal or equating to pleasure. In fact, scripture uh, really speaks against being pleasure uh, and pleasure seeking. Uh, it, it is, uh, we would use the word fun today, that we, we think we exist just so we can have fun. Things aren't good, let's just go have fun. Fun, fun, fun. And uh, scripture uh, can speak against being a pleasure-seeking person. I'm not against fun, but my point is that's not my entire goal. Uh, so there's not much use of the word joy. I, I really don't know anybody goes, how you doing? Well, I'm having a joyful day. I really don't hear those responses. I don't hear the word joy in our vocabulary and the use in sentences. Uh, very often, not very often do I hear that. And there's a, there can be a reason for that because joy becomes an inward response. It becomes an inward reaction. Like, like I, I'm surrounded by staff as we do this. And uh, the T's behind me, Tucker's over to my left, Logan is behind the camera. Uh, when I see them grow and I see them getting it when it comes to a kingdom life, uh, I, don't, I don't go, oh joy, I don't say that in my sentence, but something inside of me is incredibly joyful. There's just an inward reaction uh, when I see people get the Lord. I mean, they get the whole point behind it. So I could have uh, Laura and Andrew and Julie under one roof. I, I know some people can't do that. I, I know that the family of my son-in-law can't do that. Uh, but when my family is home uh, under one roof, I go to bed at night with this, this big sigh. Uh, because my kids, our kids are all over the place now. They're grown. They've got their own their own life to live and their own work to do. And, but when they're home together under the roof, uh, there's just a deep sigh. There's, a, there's an inward reaction. Man, this is joyful. Uh, even though I may not use the word joy in my life. So it really, if you want to use it, fine. But we don't often. But it is an inward reaction. It's an inward response. Let me say it to you this way. There's a settling. I think the word joy happening inwardly is that there's just a settled peace uh, of what is going on. Now, if we're going to handle the word joy, again, I want you to remind that joy is not equal to pleasure or fun-seeking. It's not the same thing. You don't go, I'm going to Kings Island and just have a barrel full of joy. That's not what you say. Uh, you talk, well, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not against fun, but it's not the goal of your life. Uh, the word rejoice contains the word joy. It is made up of the word joy. And uh, we know real simple places in scripture. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, you say it, <laughs> rejoice, right? It's, uh, it's to be able to have, to have joy. And uh, I, I say this with the way I started the sermon, even on the gloomy gray, those old dark days of winter, Yes, it's not based on my circumstance, my environment. It's, it's an inward reaction 
uh, that I am to rejoice. We, we know that the kingdom, that the kingdom life is not based on my circumstances or my daily life. So there is a kingdom view of joy. For example, the scripture says there can be joy in suffering. Uh, there's joy in persecution. Uh, there's joy in trials and tribulation. James writes, count it all joy when you go through these things. Stuff, can I just, can I just call it stuff? Will you understand stuff? When you just go through life stuff, count it all joy. Uh, and he says when, not if you go through it, when you go through it, because you're going to go through it. That's just the way life is. Uh, that I can find joy in these circumstances. There, there is a scripture verse in Nehemiah that says the joy of the Lord is by strength. And in fact, uh, this, this one verse of scripture can become an Old Testament theme that we should have joy in the Lord for what he's going to do. And then also it, what we know he's going to do brings us strength. So uh, with Ezra is the one who said this uh, in Nehemiah, and why can't he say the joy of the Lord is my strength? Because it is based on restoration and then also obedience. Um, so uh, what does that mean? Well, I want to tell you, there's joy in honoring the Lord. I, uh, I, I'm a guy, uh, and, and uh, I'm probably as a preacher more of a, a man's preacher than I am of challenging ladies, even though I do hope that my audience, I challenge them all, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I'm probably um, more geared toward communicating to men. And for example, I love to mow yards. I do. And uh, the reason I love to mow yard is because I can look back and see what I've done. I can look back and see the accomplishment. Just, just recently, I have uh, been cleaning off my, my in-law's driveway with a pressure washer and a wand and mildew and algae and stuff had grown up on it when it gets wet it gets slick and and I did it for a lot of reasons but I, I've really enjoyed using that high volume high pressure hose and just getting that stuff in them in fact I'm gonna go ahead and confess to you I finished it yesterday afternoon and I didn't see it because it was dark before I came here to video this sermon I drove by my in-laws driveway, never spoke a word to them just to see how clean that it looked because I, I like to see what I've accomplished. I'm not saying women don't want to do that. I'm not saying that at all, but I can only speak for my tribe. We love to see what we, what we have accomplished. So uh, what, what does that mean? That, that means there's joy in honoring the Lord remembering how to live the kingdom life and just living the kingdom life. It brings joy. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Have you ever had a kingdom task in front of you and you didn't want to do it, but you went ahead and you pushed through and you did it anyway? And when you did it, that kingdom task probably was in the form of blessing somebody else. And you didn't want to do it, but just the fact that you went ahead and pushed through and did it, you will come out on the other side saying, I was not a blessing. They ended up blessing me. Has that ever happened to you? That, that is a picture 
That is a picture of how joy comes from leading a kingdom life, a life of restoration and a life of obedience. I'll be honest with you, there's times as a pastor, I've been called to a hospital at very awkward times. In the middle of things that I've had uh, family plans, I very seldom, Logan and I had this talk, do I have a plan, whether it's hunting or whatever else, that it does not get compromised? I often can't drive or ride with somebody else because there's that call that I may have to come back. So I, I can really not even go on vacation thinking, ooh, man, I've got all these days set aside. Uh, in the back of my mind, there's this little bit of prep that, hey, one phone call as a pastor, and I've, I've, I've got to leave and possibly go and do something else. So there's been times I've been called to the hospital. It's been an awkward time. Uh, for my family even, and I went ahead and did it anyway. And uh, I came back going, why did I dread that? I, I, I went trying to be the blessing, and they ended up, I ended up being blessed. Uh, why does that happen? There's joy in that because you're leading and you're living out an absolute kingdom life. Uh, doing this brings great joy. So how can I count it all joy? How can I know that joy comes in the morning in the reference to the Old Testament? How can I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength? Because when you do the kingdom life, you are going to see God at work. The reason all of that can be joy is because God is at work. Jesus says the Father is always working. And you're able to see that. And in some cases... Your obedience, you're able to be a part of that, and it, it becomes great joy to know that God is not only working in you, he's working through you and being able to be a blessing to other people. So uh, the themes of joy I want to give you for just a moment before we break down Luke 2 is that in the Old Testament, I've already given it to you through Nehemiah, uh, the, the theme can be restoration and strength. But what's the New Testament theme? There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are three of them that are alike. They're called the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke uh, is referred to as the Gospel of Joy. Uh, when you get into Luke 15, and there are other chapters too, but the whole chapter, Luke 15, is the lost sheep, where the shepherd goes and finds the lost sheep, the lost coin, where the lady's looking for the lost coin, and then the lost or prodigal son ends up coming home. What do all those have in common? They have in common that they've been found. The sheep has been found, the coin has been found, and the son has come home. And then what's the other common denominator? They all are rejoicing because they are found. Luke is called the gospel of joy. Philippians, Paul's letter to Philippi, is referred to as the letter of joy. John's writing is referred to the fullness of, of joy. 1 Peter is referred to the joy of suffering. Revelation is looked upon as the joy of the redeemed. Paul continues to write, there is joy because you're in Christ. Paul continues to write, there is joy because the, of the Holy Spirit being in you. And if you know the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we know that joy is one of the fruit 
that is listed there. This is great joy. Great joy that is being expressed here. Two uh, theologians, Otto and Schramm, wrote this. It says, this cry of joy, meaning great joy, is, is a fitting title for the whole New Testament. I wanted you to see those themes of joy that you're going to find throughout Scripture. Let's get to Luke 2, 10 and 11. Before we get to this, uh, the uh, all of heaven has exposed itself and it just come alive in front of the shepherds. Uh, and uh, when that happened, it says they were afraid. So I think we would be too. Um, so earlier, heaven had absolutely opened up. And then the angels came in verse 10, and the angels said to them, Fear not, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will absolutely be uh, to all people. Great joy. I want you to know this is heaven's choice of words here. Uh, Luke, Luke remembers. Luke, in his writing of the account, is uh, realizing that this is heaven's choice of words here, that it is great joy. Why great joy? Well, for those of you who like to know where we get words and uh, how they come about in our English language, the word great here in uh, Luke 2.10 is the word mega. Uh, so uh, we use it today in, refer in reference to something that is greater or larger or bigger. And uh, uh, we, we know that you can have an earthly joy, but heaven didn't, didn't just use joy. Heaven used the cry of great joy. There is a greater joy that is going on. I want to remind you that the angels are asking those who are experiencing this to, uh, to uh, replace their fear with joy. They've been afraid over heaven uh, opening up to them, and then they're saying, we want, uh, we want you to get... We want you to take your fear and replace it with joy. Uh, th this great joy is produced by the Lord, not by us. Do you hear me in that? That's part of our problem, gang. Our problem is you think we have all kinds of creation power. We think that. And we think we can create joy just with atmosphere or environment. I want you to know that the joy that the angels are talking about here is produced by God himself. It is not something that we can't produce. Like, for example, as a pastor counselor, I let people know that, yeah, you can go to a peaceful place. Like, one of mine is Cades Cove and Smoky Mountains. I love it there. Just solace and beauty, and I love the mountains. Uh, but my peace comes from the Lord. If I'm not careful, I can, I can run off and seek my peace at Cades Cove. And I haven't been there for years, literally years. I haven't been there. Uh, love it, love the memories of it. Hope one day to be able to go back again. But my point that I need to make is I can't produce peace. So in a counseling session, I go from that, I, I, because if I could... In a counseling session, I go from that perspective because if I could produce peace, I would have done it a long time ago, right? And most of us who are listening today, we're still searching for it. And you, you've got to realize 
that truth is a person. Jesus says, I am truth. You got to realize that peace is a person. He's the prince of it. You got to realize that joy is even in a person. It's even in the person of Christ. He, he is the one who produces it, not we ourselves. Salvation is, a per, uh, is, a, is absolutely a person. So how can I have this joy and suffering and persecution uh, here lately since March? I've just been surrounded by death. Uh, even the, the gloomy dark days of winter that I dread. How, 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 can, how can I have this joy in all these times? I can have this joy because God is at work. God is at work. And I, that's the view that I have as a believer, and it is a kingdom view. I don't ever wake up. I did not wake up this morning wondering if God was at work today. He's at work. I've, I've been able to see Sometimes I have a view that nobody else has. And sometimes you have a view that I don't have. But God is always at work. I can rest in that. And so when there's suffering and persecution and trials and tribulation and life stuff, gloomy days of winter, all those things, I, I can get up in the morning knowing that God is ahead of me and God is at work. And he gave us this incredible gift in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior. The only way you can be saved is through him. No one else. Um, man, woman, boy, or child can't be saved any way else but through Christ. He is Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one of God. And he is absolutely the Lord. I want to end this with you for just a moment. And I want you to think of your life as being a puzzle. My, our daughter, Laura, used to love to put puzzles together. I did too as a small kid. Uh, but just think of your life as a puzzle and realize that you've got every bit of it together, but there's one piece missing and you just can't find it. In fact, you can't shape it or make it. Uh, in the picture that I want to give to you, it, Please don't look at this in an irreverent way, but that missing piece of puzzle in your life, if your life is a puzzle, is Jesus himself. He is that missing piece. Do you understand in these verses 10 and 11 in Luke 2 that he is giving the missing piece out of everything, out of every prayer that has been uttered, out of every seeking of God, the, the answer, the answer to every bit of it is Jesus. What does, what does the writings of the New Testament say? Jesus is heaven's yes. He is heaven's yes to every bit of your life. Listen to me. You're, some of you out there, you're living biologically. I mean, physically, you're alive. Emotionally, uh, you, you're able to exist. You, you may have a lot of wounded emotion, but emotional stuff is going on is what I'm trying to say. You've got a soul. And the reason you've got a soul is not because you gave yourself a soul. You have a soul because God breathed that into you. God breathed that into you. And you're living. And you're even going to have an eternity. And you're saying, hey, Jeff, what's the difference in my life and yours then? You have a soul. I have a soul. 
You're living biologically, I'm living biologically. You're living emotionally, I'm living emotionally. Your intellect is working, not not as good as it always used to. Your intellect is working. I have an eternity, you have an eternity. What seems to be the difference? Because when Christ comes into my life, he makes all the difference. My biological living doesn't have the same motive that yours does. My emotional part of me is not as wounded as yours might be because Christ is my healer and my deliverer. Uh, Yes, yes, I am living to a point that I have a soul, but my soul has been reconnected with the one who breathed it into me. And yes, I have an eternity, but my eternity has been fixed in heaven. You You may not know the Lord yourself, You have an eternity too, but it won't be with Christ. That becomes the difference. He is the missing piece. And the reason the angel said, I give you good news and great joy is because they were delivering the message of the missing piece of every single bit of it. None of you, we are not complete without him. Their announcement was, it's just not regular old earthly joy. It is mega joy. It is great joy. Scripture says Jesus is our A and our Z. And all the letters in between. Are there any other letters? There isn't. Uh, He is our beginning and our end. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Uh, this, This verse 11 is my verse 11 because Jesus is my savior. He is the anointed one of God who has been appointed as the one who saves and he becomes my Lord. He is heaven's yes. Paul would say he is the indescribable gift to us. And in the words of heaven, the angels themselves who've known him longer than any of us, He says, uh, I not only give you good news, uh, but it is good news, not ordinary joy. It's mega joy. It's great joy. And the reason I can give you that is because for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Listen, we're getting ready to hand into winter. It's going to be dark, gloomy days. Remind me that they don't shape my life. I'm going to remind you of the same thing. Trials, persecution, suffering, circumstances, they don't determine whether I have joy or not. This right here determines whether I've had joy or not. The fact that Jesus has been given, that he came to us, and not only that he came to us, that he's coming again. That becomes the true message of Advent. We're grateful for his coming, his arrival at birth, incarnate, God incarnate, and we're looking for his sweet return. That is a message of great, great joy. We're thankful that you're with us as we leave you always. Grace and peace.